Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. I'm Andy, sitting across the table from me, the thirstiest bitch in Columbus, Jenny. You just called your wife a bitch. You're very thirsty tonight. But I'm literally thirsty. Yeah, not the not like social media thirsty. Yeah. Oh, not like Scorpio Skies somewhere in the vicinity thirsty. <laughs> yeah. And that voice you hear there is located just 111 miles to our southwest. It's Megan. Hello. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm thirsty for champagne. Okay. Well, shit. Let's get this uh, show on the road. Jenny, would you like to start us off the same way we start off every week with the Elite Beat Pop of the Week? Yes. In honor of this week's Dynamite, we're bringing to you an undisclosed bottle of wine. Is it a little bit of the bubbly? <laughs> no, we finally we, we, uh, we, we got rid of that at our uh, Revolution pay-per-view party. <laughs> That's probably for the best. Yeah. It sounded like it may have been champagne. It yeah. looks like it may be champagne. Yeah. Just like that turf at the dynamite location looked like it was likely the nightmare factory. Yes. Well, we'll we will get into that. Megan, what do you have down there? I have in this time of coronavirus a regular Shandon. Just Shandon Brute, classic go to. Um, you can find it at Walgreens. <laughs> Did you find anything else at Walgreens? Uh, tried to find toilet paper. The answer is no. Okay. Um, Megan, how many well, rolls of toilet paper do you have left? I feel well, like you've been trying to find toilet paper for a couple <laughs> weeks now. I have. Because I shop like a normal person. And that is to say, do not hoard toilet paper. But luckily, the other day, um, I had my sister go out because we needed to get some food supplies and she went to, I want to say Target, and they had it randomly, so she got some there, and then also got, like, we have a Target with groceries near us, so got the groceries we needed, so, hey. yeah, it was like a stroke of luck. I mean, I'm still going to buy toilet paper if I'm out and see it, but I don't feel as threatened as I did before. That's great. I'm very yeah, how, happy for you. How is your supply? We're okay, but I'm still frightened by it. You're frightened by the lack of toilet paper? Yes. Jenny determined okay. today that we have enough toilet paper to last 10 weeks. No, nine weeks. Depends on if we ration it correctly. Well, uh, either way, I, we're good for a while. Yeah, you're probably okay. Like, I um, I had bought a roll of, or a pack of 12 before this all went down. And I think we're down to, like, maybe, I want to say five left at this point. And then, luckily, Emily was able to find another pack of nine. So, I'm not bragging, but we have enough to get us through for a little bit. Okay. No, I feel like you're toilet paper rich for the, the times we live in. I, I would like to think so, but I've heard of some people um, who have even more than Jenny has stocked up. We're talking well, those like, people are monsters. Oh, we don't have, like, a stock. We just have one pack. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I think we, have, we got a pack of 18. That's, that's still a lot in these times of paper product shortages. Yeah, but because that's the pack we have, right? It's the 18. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So I think that can get us through. I don't know. I, we, we had to start start. We had to start rationing our toilet paper usage. You're I mean, you're probably good. I also started rationing paper towel usage. And 
We just happen to be low on cleaning product at this point, too. So I feel bad because I'm like, I can't really clean like bathrooms and stuff the way I would like to. But at the same time, I guess I'm not using a bunch of to- or, uh, paper towels that could potentially be useful in the future, like if desperation hits. So these are crazy times and I can't believe I'm being so weird about toilet paper and paper towels. I know. I'm worried about our paper towels as well. Okay, let's get off the subject because Jenny looks like she's literally about to pass out from uh, from fear and anxiety. anxiety. She she wants the champagne, and I totally I'm on the same page as her. So well, let's I'm hear ready. that Shandon pop, Megan. All right, Shandon pop. Here we go. Oh God, cork is totally stuck this time. Come on, Shandon, why are you hating me? All right, balls, guys. I wish I had one of your. There we go. That's good, Pop. You got those whole cans. You can get it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to shout out. Uh, well, actually, first, let's let's cheers. Oh. Uh, you know, then we can officially start drinking. I'd like to shout out a friend of the show, Lucas, uh, who texted me a picture yesterday of the bottle of uh, sparkling wine that. He and his family were enjoying yesterday for his wife Amanda's, another friend of the pod, uh, her, her birthday. It is a Chateau de Montcouret. And it looked like it was from the Loire Valley. From the it's a Cremant de Loire. So it's from the Loire Valley. And uh, it's a brute. And he's uh, you know, he's a little he's, he's just kind of getting into the sparkling wine game. But uh, I asked him how it was, and he said that. It's uh, reasonably unassuming. Said I'm used to using dry as possible proseccos for cocktail purposes, so it's a bit sweeter than what I'm used to, but not, you know, not ridiculously so. Uh, and he said that uh, he wishes his wine vocabulary was better, but for less than twenty dollars Canadian, it was super decent. Great. And I thought his wine vocabulary was perfectly. It, it sounded like better. yeah, like when you Google wine terms to then say at tastings. Yeah, I did yeah. that once, and I did that like five years ago. <laughs> But we all remember because we were all like impressed and annoyed by <laughs> your level of knowledge, apparently. And uh, oh, he, and I, I, I skipped this part, but he also used a dosage. So oh, yeah, so he knows what he's talking about. Which uh, how much dosage? Uh, no, it was he was uh, likening it to, uh, he, or he was uh, comparing it to uh, uh, the martini prosecco. Oh, okay. And he said that like. He said that's like completely unusable for cocktails because you can taste the dosage. So much sugar, yeah. 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 But anyway, so congrats, Lucas. I'm glad you had a decent bottle for Amanda's birthday. Happy birthday, Amanda. Happy birthday, Amanda. And uh, Amanda is uh, Amanda made us the adorable baby Yoda. That's right, she did. And uh, we thank you for that. I look at we look at it every day. It's so it's so it's so precious. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, yeah, cheers, guys, and. well, with, with that, let's get into the show. Uh, Being the Elite, episode 197, entitled Life at Home. So we start out this week with Nick Jackson in his arcade, uh, playing his main cabinet that was recommended to him by the dearly departed Adam Cole. And uh, he gives a quick update on his health and on his newborn baby, who, uh, if he becomes a worker, will be named Michael Jackson, unfortunately. Uh, speaking of the Jacksons, they have a private workout with Brandon Cutler in Nick's home gym, which looks pretty nice, actually. Yeah, looks like it's in his garage. Yeah, Matt says he's not going to shave until this is all over. He's starting to get you see you see a few like 
wispy gray strands of uh, hair growing out of his <laughs> uh, his beard. And uh, they do a bit where they uh, everybody else pretends to be afraid that Matt has the Rona, which is, I don't know. I don't know if it's tone deaf or just uh, good gallows humor. I'm not sure. Kenny is at Dynamite from last week. Uh, he gives an update on his hand, and he talks about how important it is to be constantly watching the news. And he's got a news broadcast on behind his back, but it cuts to a screensaver of a bouncing Colt Cabana head. He, he can't believe that Colt, uh, once again, snuck his way onto the show. Mm-hmm. We've got Christopher Daniels celebrating his 50th birthday with a social distancing party. He's got all his friends and buddies up on uh, tablets and laptops and whatnot. Gets all kinds of great gifts. And we even get a cameo from Tracy Brooks yelling at Kaz uh, over a do bit. And she throws something at him. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of great gifts did he get? Do you remember? No, I don't. (laughs) It was toilet paper. Oh, it was toilet paper. It was hand sanitizer and bottled water. That's right. Hand sanitizer. Yeah. And I think a monster drink. Monster drink and a couple of hoodies, I think. Which are like actual presents. We see Peter Avalon in his uh, abode watching AEW Dark. He's watching the Brandon Cutler match. And he just kind of, he sees the end. He goes... And then he pulls out a rotary phone to call up Brandon. And then he immediately switches gears and begins laughing at him maniacally, calling him a loser. Brandon points out, once again, that he's also a loser. And I now love this feud. I think Peter Avalon has really great delivery. And I, like, outside of the librarian gimmick, I think he's such a good... I, I just think he's, he's really good at being annoying. I really enjoy him. Megan... Jenny is, like, looking at me like I'm crazy, but I have a feeling that you're on the same page as me. And you are right. You are right. <laughs> Damn it, guys. <laughs> he, I think Peter Avalon's very good at the character he's been given. And I also maybe am biased because I listened to his podcast episode with um, Cole, Jericho. I believe. Jericho. Yeah. And he just seems like a genuinely nice person who really loves what he does. So it's really hard for me to hold that against him and if they're giving him the opportunity to show more personality even as the librarian i think good for him and i thought it was so hipster and funny of him to sit in front of a record player use a rotary phone to call up his enemy and laugh maniacally at him it was just i loved it it was really good and he was wearing a robe too it was all just very dr evil Mm mm-hmm uh, Luchasaurus is, I guess, at his home, and uh, he goes into. I guess he has a sauna, which that's cool. Uh, Why is it greenlit though? I don't know. Yes, it looked very like uh, sci-fi. Yeah, mm. he comes out of the sauna and he's talking to. He's got one of those like uh, torso punching bag things, like a training partner kind of thing, a sparring partner kind of guy. And he's talking to it like it's a real person, and he says he needs to get his tail back. And this just confused the hell out of me and made me feel like I was missing something. Did he have a tail? I don't think he's ever had a tail. Do you think that he was one of the people born with a tail? And that they had to get surgically removed? Like, that can happen. No, I know. I know, I was one of them. What? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) They don't, like, save your tail, though. (laughs) You can't get it back. That's true. That'd be really gross. Yeah. So is he gonna, like, have a tail the next time we see him? I don't know. That's kind of what I was thinking. Like, is it going to be part of his costume? Is he going to be able to use it to, like, uh, like trip opponents or, you know? I like have no Bianca idea. Bianca Belair's hair? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's gonna be able to grab. Yeah, grab it and like whip people with it. I have no idea what's going on with the the tail, but I did feel like I was I was being left out of some joke, you know. Also, why did he put on an evening coat before going into the sauna? Did right? is that something I missed? Like, is that a reference to something? That guess, was really guess, weird too. I guess you get more sweat. If that you... was an evening coat. <laughs> no, it was, it was a very formal sauna session. Yeah, the whole bit was kind of weird. Like maybe he's gone a little crazy with being at home. Maybe. We had a little uh, BTE mailbag, well, mini BTE mailbag with Matt Jackson uh, answering some some questions, uh, just kind of talking about the process of writing the book, and said he was probably never get a tattoo. And finally, it was cute to see Zachary in the background. It was cute to see Zachary. Oh, I forgot to mention there was actually a funny. Starbucks barista bit at the very at, at the, the the cold open mm-hmm. of the show, where you see Matt preparing everything at his house, and he, he he's got everything ready. And he turns around and he says, "the the cafe is now open." And then it cuts to young Zachary, who says, "Dad, I'm four. <laughs> uh, Megan, I've learned how to make iced coffee. Oh, I just I'm in. put my leftover coffee in the fridge. And then put ice cubes in it. I don't think that's technically correct, but <laughs> okay. You need to consult Matt. I normally get my afternoon Starbucks at work, so I've got to get my afternoon pick me up here somehow. That takes us to the final segment of the show. I would say the piece de resistance is Hangman Page, just a big montage of weirdness from him he, he arrives home in his car he throws his keys just away before i guess he's thinking like oh, i'm not gonna need these again yeah he goes in the house uh he's ignoring calls from all the other elite boys he's watching tiger king he's buying animal crossing on his switch he's practicing the buckshot lariat on pillows with an assist from the hangwoman. uh he also shaved his facial hair in order to resemble Joe Exotic for just, like, one little bit. And he actually tweeted about this decision. He said, Shaved my face for a three-second BTE gag, but now I've got to go get groceries looking like NASCAR's biggest pedophile. Just shave it off. That's what I thought. Go clean like, shave like, it. Yeah, yeah. It'll grow back by the time this all blows over anyway. Yeah. Maybe he had a curbside pickup deadline Maybe. that he had to make. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, and the other key to this uh, bit was every time one of the elite would call, he would it would show on his phone, and they all had little subheadings. And I didn't I don't know if that's something you can do with contacts I feel or like not. If you set maybe the business organization or oh. company, I think that's how it shows. I was wondering the same thing because I thought this was all very clever, and I loved the combination of the pictures they chose and the subtitles for each of them. Hangman's just just perfection. So the picture of Nick Jackson, uh, or the, you know, pops up when he's trying to call, and his subheading is hurt or something. I don't know. Uh, Kenny Omega is co-champion, falling in love with Colt. Cody's is atheist, and it's a picture of Cody with like demon eyes uh, standing next to Pharaoh. And Matt Jackson, sidebirds and beard both suck. These this, are all accurate. This was one. This is one of my favorite BTE bits in a, a very long time. Maybe maybe one of my favorite segments ever on BTE. To be quite honest, 
I, I second that. Yeah, I third it. I, I feel like this is the first time in a long time that I thought this was like a genuinely just fun, funny segment because of all that's going on. But so good. This is what I'm in for, for BTE. I want to see the at-home bits. But this isn't really what he does at home. He doesn't just wander around in his gear, I assume. He, I think he might. I think he might, like, legit have watched Tiger King over the weekend, like Andy and I did, and be playing Animal Crossing. Oh, those parts, yeah. But do you think Adam Page just hangs out in his house full gear? I mean, they really fucked with his head about that full gear challenge with Pac. He, he might. I mean, Pac's another one. He probably hangs out full gear. Yeah, we know Pac does. I mean, I would if I looked like that. I guess that's true. <laughs> <laughs> why not so very very good uh episode this week i thought overall and that takes us into aew dark for march 31st 2020 it's uh more uh aew guys versus indie guys and we had sammy guevara over matt sells who's a uh returning champion from last week uh sean spears over sean dean Darby Allen over Preston Vanilla Vance. And John Moxley over a very intriguing individual, Fabu Andre, a, uh, a human butterfly. What did his entrance thing say? It was very funny. I don't recall. Or not fun. It was weird. Um, Megan, do you remember? It was something about something about butterflies. What's his name? Oh, Fabu like Andre. Monarch King, maybe? Like the monarch butterfly. I don't know. I just thought he was the most hippy-dippy dude you could choose to put up against, like, caged bear John Moxley. <laughs> it just seemed like a lamb to slaughter. Well, it was. John made quick work of him. But uh, unfortunately, uh, he had his back turned when Jake Hager attacked and choked him out with the uh, head and arm choke afterwards. And, of course, on Dynamite, we'll find out exactly where that's leading to. It's the monarch of manliness. The monarch of manliness. That's right. Fabu Andre. I'd be I'd be up for seeing some more of Fabu Andre. I just feel like they put him up against someone he never had a chance on. No, it was it was kind of nice to see John like real briefly on Dark. I just uh, I felt like that match went exactly as long as it should have gone. <laughs> yes, it was a proper squash, and then ugh, I worry that the the outcome as far as like after the match and Hager. I I want to believe that this doesn't mean Hager's going to take the championship, but I just don't want to see Hager go over on Moxley at any point. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I get you. I get you. So, Megan, I believe that would just uh, take us into Dynamite for the week. Yes, Dynamite on April Fool's Day, which meant nothing because they didn't really do anything for April Fool's, but... I mean, that they is... fooled us by uh, by leaving Jacksonville and going to an undisclosed location. <laughs> That's true. Uh, that That is the first thing I was going to cover is some further adjustments. Each, each week so far, I think they've been making tweaks and changes. And this week, um, we are in a much smaller space. We've got, like, no separate stage and ramp. It's all just the entrances are onto a level ground 
basically, and then the ring is right there. So it, it looks much more contained, and there's a walled-off uh, seating area, so instead of showing empty seats, there's no seats, and we've got a couple of the talent spread around on each side, six feet apart, obviously, for safe social distancing, but basically, like, all you get is barrier, one wrestler, and then a black cloth to indicate the end of the space. So it's so much more contained and little. It feels very indie. And I personally liked it, but I was curious what you guys thought of the new setup versus their um, typical, you know, there was no pyro or that sort of thing. It was much more toned down. I thought it was a cool look. I mean, I, I definitely preferred it to last week because it was it was a little more lively. Um, but I, you know, you could kind of tell that it wasn't the real ring, you know, it wasn't a real AEW ring. It was obviously just probably a ring that somebody had, uh, there at the facility, or maybe somebody had nearby where they were able to just like put, you know, their, their turnbuckle covers and, 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 uh, canvas on. Uh, but so it definitely had a different look. It was much smaller. Yeah. I, I, I liked it better than last week. Um, I I had fun trying to figure out where it was, and I did successfully figure out where it was. That's right, Jenny. You did successfully figure out where it was. So where was it? It was the Nightmare Factory, which is the QT Marshall School that Cody is now involved in, and they renamed it the Nightmare Factory. So it's the the gym and training center that QT Marshall runs. Yes, in uh, Norcross, Georgia, which is uh, about a five-hour and 15-minute drive from Atlanta. I'm sorry, from uh, Jacksonville. Interesting. Is there any reason that we know of why they switched to this location? Uh, Florida went to shelter-in-place, and Georgia had not yet made that jump. So Georgia just made that jump. Today. Today, which is the day after Dynamite. So what do you think is going to happen next week? I have heard that they have a backup plan for for next week already. Okay. And by heard, I mean I read it in the Observer about 35 minutes ago. Okay. I mean, I guess we could talk about more, but like they know it's not just going to be for a week, right? It's going to be a month at least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can get more into that stuff, but yeah. I liked that there were people out again this week versus back in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that was definitely a big improvement. Yeah, I think closing in the space and also adding back the people, like, uh, we all know it's an empty place, but it felt more alive than last week. Agreed. So the people around the, the ringside, just to get us all on the same page here, um, we have Jimmy Havoc, Kip Sabian, Penelope Ford, Britt Baker, all on one side. It's six feet apart, it looked like. And the gun club on the other side to start out with. Now, the gun club was not six feet apart. Do you think that's because uh, the son still lives with at home with the dad? I assume so. <laughs> yeah, me too. I figure family, it's kind of like safe to assume they probably just have exposure to each other. So they're not worried. So, yeah, that's the setup. And before we get into any matches, they do review the TNT championship bracket which was mentioned, I believe, on Dark. Um, 
But just to clarify, on one side of the bracket, the left side, we have Sean Spears versus Cody, and then Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allen. And on the right side, Kip Savian versus Dustin Rhodes and Lance Archer versus Colt Cabana. What do you think of the idea of introducing a new belt right now, Megan? I think it's weird timing to do a tournament when you don't know if you're going to have a show. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that they have filmed, like, like they filmed that, you know, no spoilers, obviously, I don't know the outcome, I can presume the outcome, but that Moxley Swagger or Hager match was filmed like last week. Um, and they've, they filmed a lot of stuff on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week for future shows to air. So I think they have a lot of stuff in the can already. Do you think they'll waste any of it on a dark this upcoming week? Or do you think they just cut dark? I mean, I think it probably depends on the caliber of wrestlers they have for those matches. Like if, if it's, it's a bunch of like Georgia indie guys who they were able to get at the last minute, then that would probably have to stay on dark or you risk killing your rating. Right. I think they could have done this when they came back as almost a draw to watch instead of burning it all now when times are uncertain and they're not sure where they're filming week to week. But maybe, as you said, maybe they have enough film to pull this off. It just it seemed kind of weird timing to me. Yeah, I mean, supposedly the finals is going to crown the champion will be at double or nothing. But we don't know if double or nothing is happening. And, but I guess that means it's conceivable that they've filmed everything but that at this point. Yeah, I mean, double or nothing may be able to happen by that point, but you certainly won't be able to have a crowd. Like, you might be able to have a very limited audience by that point. I don't know. I I don't even want to. I hate to even forecast because who who the hell knows? But yeah. There's just, there's no way at that point you're going to be able to have 10,000 people in an arena. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's that's we're talking about that's what May twenty third. Yeah, that's yeah, that's not too far from now. no. I mean, I think even as we recover from this and get it under control, it's not like a flip or a switch is going to flip and then one day we're just going to have crowds again. I think it's going to be a very gradual step up to the crowds we currently have. You know, like it just seems unrealistic. Well, yeah, because if you do that, if you if you if you decide one day like okay. It's time to flip the switch. Then you just, you know, then it just happens all over again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So weird timing, but we've we're getting a new belt soon. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. Yeah. It's odd. I mean, and and it's it's also odd that you know, not only do they not know where they're filming every week, they don't have access to that much of their roster, because you know. You, you you definitely don't have the California guys. You don't have like the the foreign guys, and you're basically left with the people who are in the Georgia and Florida area. Yeah, I mean, look at the bracket; it's very small. Yeah, I mean, I guess Sammy's still traveling every week. So dumb. <laughs> I just like I don't understand why they think they're above everyone else in society and they feel entitled to be doing this and putting others at risk. I don't even know if that's the angle that they're coming at this from. Like if we all just assume best intentions, I have been thinking of it as mostly 
these guys seem like the kind of guys that will just lose their minds if they can't do what they love and that thing is wrestling and it's socially irresponsible to be doing what they're doing. But at the same time, I can see how the combination of their complete and utter passion for it and also probably the pressure to keep this company going, like just in the environment they're in and being new and with the contract renewal, I can see why why they're insisting on upon pushing forward. I don't think it's great, but I think their mindset is different than than ours. No, I, I agree that that's where they're coming from, but what they're doing is essentially saying we are holding ourselves to a different standard than the rest of society should be is should be holding itself to in order to flatten the curve and control this pandemic. I, I understand that their their intentions are not that, but that's what they're ultimately doing. True, but they are also in the South where so many states have just recently gotten on board with that whole stay-at-home thing. So, I mean, so it's not even like they're the worst. Georgia, in the 24 hours between when Dynamite was filmed and they had their stay-at-home order, said they just found out that this can present asymptomatically. No, that it can transmit asymptomatically. That it can transmit asymptomatically. Yeah. Well, they should be people, watching the like, news. Yeah, yeah, seriously. It's 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 not even worth, you know, just because these people are morons. Or they're just being completely disingenuous. And and that's why I'm upset that like my company that I've been supporting and and have a podcast over is acting like a moron. Yeah, I mean listen, I'm I'm very mixed on it. Like I I appreciate having a new episode of Dynamite to watch every week, but when you see the links they're going to to keep this thing going, it's just like, guys, like I, maybe it's worth taking the hit for a while to, and and that's the other question, like, like what would happen if they were to just go dark? Would like would that would that breach their contract with TNT? Would they lose that television deal at that point? Well, but I think we talked about this before. They could show. They have they don't have the backlog of footage like WWE, but they have some backlog of footage. They have all those pay-per-views that they did over the summer that not a ton of people have seen. So why don't you condense that into a, you know, hour and a half program and show that on your dynamite? I mean, they have what four of those? That's four weeks for you. Yeah. Do do one of the, you know, or you could do theme shows of like, you know, I don't know, greatest tag team matches or greatest singles, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. They have, they don't have a ton of old footage, but they have enough that hasn't been viewed by 900 million people yet that could see it on TNT. 900,000 people. Oh my God. (laughs) 900 million. I'm sorry. Yeah, they wouldn't wouldn't have to worry about their uh, TV contract at all if they were pulling 900 million. (laughs) That's true. But also, like, to your point, they they have the knowledge that this didn't just happen yesterday, you know? Oh. They they had the knowledge that at some point it's very likely that they're going to be restricted from filming the way they currently do. And they could have taped multiple shows in advance because without a live audience, you don't have spoilers. You don't have to worry about it. You just get it out of the way. And they they still have been resistant to that for some reason which is confusing to me, but 
But I guess we'll see, you know, next week what they put on the air, like how much of that was pre-taped or not. Yeah. I mean, and again, I'm agreeing with Andy. Like, I know this is socially irresponsible, but this is maybe the one last live anything that's happening. So I can't say I'm upset to have new episodes every week. Yeah. With the acknowledgement that it's totally irresponsible. Like, I I think they should stop, but also part of me is like, yay, something to watch. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it makes me, I don't know, it it feels like it's like a piece of like, it's so weird to say like the old, old life, but like, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, you know, like everything has stopped in this country. You're right, Megan, except for this and except for this and uh, WWE and uh, UFC. And I hate, I hate that like. I don't know. I don't know if like Dana White and Vince McMahon is a great company for Tony Khan to be in, but I mean <laughs> that's where he finds himself. <laughs> I've always thought of AEW and Tony Khan and and the Elite Boys as a higher company than Vince McMahon, and it's really not comfortable for me to be questioning their values and where they're coming from because that they promote themselves as you know accessible to all and and uh i don't know societal i I don't know they just they put themselves on a shelf of a higher moral value and you can't do that and then still act like this during a pandemic in this country a time of crisis in this country and you're still having people fly use the airports to get to your show it's just it's so irresponsible and i'm disappointed in them I do enjoy having a show to watch every week. It's something different, but I just, I don't know. I'm just not proud of it. I'm not either. I I would feel totally different about this if I, if I didn't know that like the best friends and Sammy Guevara didn't like get on an airplane and fly there yesterday. Like if everyone was driving in, I think I'd feel totally different about this. Yeah, but people are flying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they should definitely stop flying. And I would be completely fine with this if they were like, we all are staying in one place together and we're only going to the studio. Like, we've just decided we are a commune. And yeah. if one if they, person gets it, we just live with it. You know, like, created like a little Olympic village and just like. <laughs> yeah, like we're yeah. only exposing ourselves to each yes. other and that's yeah. fine. Then like fine because that's essentially what we're all doing we're just staying in our houses but but they're not they're they're going out into the public they're well you know in the sense of they're flying but um well but no they're also like a lot of these people live in apartments so they're exposing the other people in the apartments that they're living on you know by touching the elevator doors or the doors or being in the hallways they're also i'm sure going to the grocery stores and potentially to takeout restaurants and exposing other people there it's, it's not like they're just going to the show and then coming back and not interacting with anyone. And it's not just the people that are flying interacting at the airport. They're then going other places and interacting with people. Yeah, we need like a we need a lockdown like GW Zoo style uh, scenario for all these people to be self-contained. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because then, you know, if nobody gets sick, you're comfortable knowing everybody's healthy and we're all kind of preserved and we all only interact with each other. And if that's what they want to do, then fine. 
<laughs> that's something find, I can sign on to. You find 500 crazy AEW fans who are willing to also partake in this experiment. Oh, and... it would not be hard. It would not be hard at all. Put it, put something out on Twitter with a hashtag. You're going to get so many people. <laughs> I don't know. I think they should be stay home Brett. They should be. They should. Everybody should be. Like, this is this is silly. But, hey, they made the show, so we might as well review it. Is it weird that I somehow feel like that UFC is more problematic? I can't even verbalize why I feel that way. Just in my head, I think it's worse. I think How? it's worse. I don't know. I don't know. Like, if I had to rank them, I would say UFC seems worse to me. And I don't know why. I mean... Real fighting is more problematic than fake fighting just in general. <laughs> yeah, but like with the virus, I don't know. I I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It's just in my head for some reason. It's like, yeah, AEW and WWE, of course. Of course they're going to keep doing stuff. But UFC, you should stop. And I don't know why. It's unfair. I just want to put that out there. And if anybody wants to psychoanalyze me, go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to see how you guys felt. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, 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 I think it's all pretty equivalent. I just don't like all other TV shows, movie productions, all acting entertainment has been shut down. Yeah. All sports, I guess, except for USC, have been shut down. How on earth are AEW and WWE, who like live in that in between sport and entertainment acting, how are they able to continue? Why are they allowed to continue? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but it's weird. This is a non-essential <laughs> thing that people are traveling to. Yeah. But but also, and you can cut this because I just need to say it. I need to get it out to my people, which are you two. <laughs> um, <laughs> if F1 said tomorrow that they're like, we're going to risk it and we're just going to do it without fans, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> like, I, I am craving new <laughs> content and I... I am a bad person for thinking that, but I totally understand, like, why companies are doing it. Because I would watch it in a second. Like, ugh. It's getting weird with the lack of new stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll soldier on. I mean, I, we, you know, we'll keep covering it as long as they keep putting it out there. Because that's, we, that's what we're doing. But we're also being, you know, we're trying to be really honest about how we feel about it, too. Yeah, I mean, we're just trying, like, as much as we like having something to watch, we don't agree that this is what they should be doing. Yeah. No, if they if they shut down tomorrow, I'd be like, okay, I'm sad, but I'm not going to argue that saving lives is better than me getting new television entertainment. Yeah, and then this this podcast would become like, well, I guess let's review all uh, all in from uh, from 2018, and or let's review uh, uh, some PWG show that has most of these guys on it. I actually have some ideas for what we could okay. do. Okay, we'll yeah. talk about it after. Yeah. Keep it in your back pocket; we might need it. Oh, I got it. Yeah. So that was a fun tangent about how we've slightly changed the scenery for this week. <laughs> If we want to bring it all back around, the first match on this show was a very good one. And it was a Trent versus Kenny Omega match, wherein 
Kenny Omega wins with the one-winged angel with one minute remaining in the standard 20-minute time limit on all matches that we very rarely get to. So exciting start to this show. I thought it was a really good match, and I don't know. It just I didn't think Trent was going to win, but they really took it far, and I thought he had a good competitive showing. I thought there was certainly a chance that it might, like, once they got to, uh, like, 15 minutes down, I was thinking, like, they could, I could see them doing a draw. It's possible. So, they, you know, they... Uh, yeah, when Dasha said three minutes to go, I thought, oh, they could yeah. just do this as a draw. Yeah. Is Cody and Darby the only draw officially at this point in the company? And Jericho and um, Jungle Boy. Oh, yes. The 10 minutes. Yeah. But like I guess that, that was technically... You can't stand ten minutes in the ring with me, so I guess Jungle Boy won. Yeah, I think Jungle. I think it's a win for Jungle Boy, kind of. Yeah, that Do was you like think a, that counts as a win. On his I record? don't remember if it does or not. It was yeah. a special stipulation. Now there was a draw, in or no, that was a DQ. There was a disqualification in that Pack versus Kenny match for one of the falls, but that's that. That was that was a different thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, this, so that's still the, the still the only time limit draw. This seems like it. It's kind of a big deal. As far as, like, going 19 minutes and change. Yeah, I um, I think Kenny Omega, like, you know, if they keep running shows and uh, the rest of the world is <laughs> still, you know, waits a while, like, including, you know, New Japan and, and, like, even, like, well, WWE wouldn't really be much of a threat for this, but... I think we might end up seeing Kenny Omega win Wrestler of the Year by default because he just keeps <laughs> having these awesome empty arena matches with like Sammy Guevara last week and now uh, and now Trent this week. He's very good. He very much is. Yeah, he's great. Um, Who would have thought his theatrical ways would lend themselves so well to a non-audience? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was one spot in here that was absolutely horrifying. Um, yes. Kenny went up to the top turnbuckle and Trent ran up after him. Trent slipped going up and then he got his footing. And the spot was he was going to German suplex Kenny off the top rope, which is, you know, scary under the best of circumstances. And then I think Trent kind of lost his footing again as he was executing the move. And the way the rotation happened, Kenny ended up landing like right on his shoulder. It looked like his neck. It was his shoulder. But the, he like it looked it looked bad, but I think he ended up being okay. But it, it was terrifying. I screamed out loud. Yeah, I I grabbed my face. You're not supposed to touch your face, <laughs> but I did. I was like, and I gasped audibly because that just ugh. the whole the like you said Trent slipping on the buildup and then screwing up as far as the timing on the rest of it just ugh. Felt like something that you don't want to happen in an empty arena. You know, it's not worth it for an empty arena. Guys, just take your time. No, absolutely not. Um, the uh, The best spot of this, uh, whole, the best thing that happened in this whole match to me was uh, they did a best friends hug with uh, Chuck, Trent, and Orange. And then afterwards, when Kenny was out on the, uh, the floor where the, the other best friends were, he called for a best friends hug. And Orange seemed very into it, like more more enthusiastic than usual. But then Chuck dragged him away before he they could uh, consummate the the hug. I think Kenny deserved a hug. 
Oh, that was brilliant, though. I love that Orange was like, yeah, sure. Let's Why do not? it. <laughs> I thought um, one really cool looking move was when Trent did what Tony called a baseball slide German, which was basically like Kenny was sitting on the bottom rope facing the outside of the ring. So his legs were like over it and he was looking out and then Trent slid underneath him. And as he slid under him, he pulled him back in like a suplex move. And it just, it was executed so beautifully compared to what we just talked about. And it looked really cool. I thought. Yeah. That's a, um, as far as I know, I've only ever seen um, Shinsuke Nakamura do that. And really only in, I don't think, I don't know if he's done it much in WWE, but that was like a, a regular new Japan spot for him. Uh, I thought it was a Trent original, but everything in wrestling is stolen, so I get yeah. it. But it did look really good, and it came from out of nowhere. That was cool. And I, I certainly didn't expect him to do it, so. Um, less impactful, I guess, just to be mentioned, was at some point, um, Jimmy Havoc, like, Trent was near him on the outside, and he just pulled out a wrench, a giant wrench, and was like, here, do you want to use this? And Trent, <laughs> and Trent declined because he's you know, not a horrible person. And Jimmy Havoc shrugged and then put the wrench in his back pocket. It was fun. It was a fun Havoc interaction. And I, I just was happy it was on a stapler. Yeah, I liked a lot of the, the um, outside of the ring interactions uh, on the show, which I'm sure we'll get uh, we'll get more into. And Trent did go a little heel, though. He grabbed like a chair from under the ring and used it on Kenny. And then you could see Chuck and Orange question... Trent's heel moves, and I thought they were going to give Kenny a hug at the end. Trent also focused on Kenny's um, recently Broken healed hand. hand. Yeah. yeah. Stomped the hell out of it, like yeah. uh, like Sasha on Bailey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Trent's a heel, but he seemed desperate to win this one. Yeah, I thought I thought it was good character stuff from him, just because, you know, he's going up against a top, top guy, and you gotta, you gotta... You gotta empty the cupboard. You gotta do. You gotta do everything you can to beat that guy. Dig deep for that. Dig deep. Dig deep. I think Cody might have even said something like that on commentary. Daddy eats first. Daddy eats oh. first. Oh, I hate it. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said it, but it's been etched in my brain forever. Cool. So yeah, good. Good opening match. Like I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, me too. Hell yeah. Opener. From there. We go to a video recap of last week's confrontation between Matt Hardy and Chris Jericho. And the way that it was cut and edited made it seem way cooler and more compelling than it actually yeah. was. It was the, the editing was great on this. I still thought it looked terrible, even with the <laughs> editing. I thought the editing made it look like it succeeded, like, head and shoulder above where it actually was, like, last week, in when it was happening. I've only got three, um, or, or I guess four. I've got four news items, and I'm going to blow one right now because it ties into this. Um, so, on Twitter, after the fact, I forget which account it was. It was one of the blue checkmark AEW accounts, or one of the wrestlers. They explained, this is after last week's Dynamite. They explained that Matt wasn't really in any of those spots in the arena, and that it was all Vanguard 1 projecting images so it wasn't actually magic but he's damascus three thousand year old damascus but i mean that that part you could just say like he's crazy okay so they 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 did try to explain 
after the fact that this is not we're not doing you know wizard bullshit it's like there's a scientific explanation we're doing we're doing drone bullshit yes yeah when you have to go on twitter and explain your promos look i don't disagree with you (laughs) (laughs) i'm just I'm, i'm just reporting what they said it's like when the comedian has to explain his joke. Mm-hmm. Vanguard One is kind of a very important figure, though, as it turns out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so um, I thought the editing was very good for that. It made me feel like if I hadn't seen it last week, I'd be very interested in what that whole thing was. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And from there, we get another video package, and this time it's Hikaru Shida, which is very cool because we all love her. Um, she strikes very hard, is the message of the video. And this leads us into the next match, which is Hikaru Shida versus a woman named Anna J. Uh, a Georgia local, it sounded like. As you would expect uh, from this match, Anna J started out in the ring, so Hikaru Shida <laughs> won. And Anna J ended up getting more offense than... I thought for like a squash match, but still, Hikarashita came out ahead, and you know it was it was an okay match. But I think the important part was that we saw a little interaction with Britt Baker, a social distance interaction. Um, Britt during the match kind of like was talking shit. It looked like, and Hikarashita started to walk over to her, but then Britt was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Social distance!" and she put up her hand and said like six feet. So they couldn't interact, but clearly there's some beef there. So, do you think that Britt closed her dental practice? Because why else would she be here? I thought that she was being a good doctor by staying I, away. I mean, medical services are critical services. I wouldn't think she'd be required to close her dental practice. I know, but it feels really irresponsible for her to be around all these other people. And I assume she was there because she wrestled. Maybe maybe she's not seeing patients right now during this crisis. Maybe she doesn't do like emergency I've had doctor's appointments rescheduled. Yeah, I have too, but like maybe she doesn't do emergency dental work. Is that a thing that you can say you just don't do emergencies? I mean, I guess you could just you could turn down clients and, you know, I almost said bookings, but <laughs> 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 Britt was doing some interesting work during uh this match too with uh she was eating a sandwich. Why was she eating a sandwich? She was hungry. No, but like, why was she eating a fried chicken sandwich? I don't know. She's in Georgia. Maybe they have really good fried chicken sandwiches. She insulted oh, that one crowd. Mandos. <laughs> she was eating a chicken sandwich. She was holding a sh- her shoe and 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 she she had she she was double fisting the chicken sandwich and a and a high heeled shoe. She was already holding her shoe. Well, she was holding her shoe at some point. During that during that uh, bit, wasn't she? Um, I think that comes later. Are you talking about the Cody match? Yeah. No, they 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 uh they they Chekhov's uh, gunned uh, that shoe. They introduced it early and yeah. then paid it off late because Cody called it out on commentary and said, "Why is she holding her shoe while she's eating a sandwich?" Yep, she oh. did. She she had pulled it off to like threaten to. Sheeta not to get within six feet of her. Oh, I probably just missed that. 
I guess that makes sense. She, you know, comes within six feet of me. I'll hit you with my shoe. Yeah. There was a lot happening with the sandwich as well, so it was easy <laughs> I, to miss. I did not understand the sandwich. She just suddenly had it. It's <laughs> like, okay, well, and I was you're hungry. Really concerned from a germ perspective because she had been touching her shoe, like right before she was eating the sandwich, and kind of concurrently with eating the sandwich. That can't like. There's probably virus stuff on the bottom of your shoe. I wanted to point out that Cody on commentary put over Hikaru Shida's social media as being like the best in AEW. He said it was the polar opposite of uh, Joey Janela's social media. Yeah. Yes, the worst in AEW. <laughs> Her social media account's great. I really enjoy. She like she bought herself a piano for her apartment, so she sings. Aww. Yeah. She'll do like, I don't know. She's just really cute. And her, she posts often. I saw her Final Fantasy VII cosplay with the piano. Yeah. Very yeah. cute. And uh, I, she said her goal is to get a million followers Aww. this year. I think she's quite far from that. Well, I, I hope she accomplishes it because I think she just seems like very nice and nerdy and great. Yeah, and and she's, I think she's the best woman they have. Yeah, I I hope she gets a shot at the championship soon, because I think she is definitely, she deserves it at some point. Yeah. Okay, she has 68,000 followers. I don't think she's getting to a million this year. No, it's unlikely. <laughs> it's April. It's April. We don't know. <laughs> a lot can happen. But she's like, so she's been self-quarantined for a while. And she's just doing like karaoke by herself in her apartment. Aw. That's so like, I don't know. That's relatable. You know? Yeah. You're stuck in your apartment. So good for her. I, I hope all is well. And I guess her self-quarantine is over because she showed up on this week's show yeah and had a i thought a pretty darn good match with uh miss anna J. yeah i thought QT Marshall. guys i also I, I messed up my thousands and a millions again her goal is to get a hundred thousand so she's much okay. closer than you initially <laughs> thought that's, that's, that's possible that is very possible that is very possible i think i think she was at like 25k or like when i first started following her so she's oh, okay, she's yeah. gonna get there oh um, yeah, yeah i don't know what's wrong with my numbers today you're moving decimals i am i don't know it's not like you need them for your job or anything nope <laughs> not at all well also jenny uh another thing cody said on commentary that i just thought you'd appreciate is um he called brit tony's mirror universe wife <laughs> Yes. And he and Tony couldn't defend himself because I think if he tried to defend himself, Cody would have brought up Dasha, his true oh, wife. We'll get there because he does. <laughs> uh, I forget which match it is, but I wrote down a note about it somewhere. So uh, when we get there, I will say it. But yes, Dasha is the true work wife. Yes. All right. So after that match, um, a pretty... Decent video package to both recap and set up the Moxley-Hager feud going on. Um, it started out with a little recap of their encounter on Dark this week. Where Hager put Moxley in the uh, triangle hold and 
he passed out. He did not tap because he was a true hero. He just passed out. Um, and then we go to some talking head segments. And Moxley, during these, says he's got a target on his back. He knows that there are people that want to take away his championship because naturally, as the champion, you're always defending. And we see Jericho, who says that Moxley is all about the fans, but conversely, the inner circle is all about themselves. And he is not ashamed of this. Seems like he's saying that is kind of like a very proud thing. And Hager says he's not here for cheers or applause, so they don't seem to care about the crowd, which is very inner circle That's fine. They're heels. Moxley goes on to express that he... He understands what Hager is capable of, which is to say, like, knocking people out and being undefeated in MMA. But he's not scared of him. And we see Jericho again. He reiterates the inner circle is unified and they don't hit each other with their own moves. Something that's very important to them that they constantly bring up. And we see Sa- Sammy, who also says that if Hager the- becomes the champion, the entire inner circle are champions, kind of by extension. So they're rooting for him. Uh, Jericho's not threatened by the fact that Hager might have the championship. It'd be two champions in one group. It's all very unified for now. Um, which I don't believe that. No, I've I fully... feel like yeah, I feel like Chris would steal that championship and say that somehow he like won it and take it back. Guys, they I... don't hit each other with their finishing moves. So, well, no. <laughs> They don't. I feel like Chris Jericho would be like, thanks for winning that championship. Now, I want you to appoint me as the champion. Exactly. <laughs> just, like, no fighting. Just tell people I'm the champion and give me that belt. It would be it would be interesting to see that play out, but that would unfortunately require Jake Hager to beat John Moxley. Right. Yeah, which I don't want to happen. No, but it would be an interesting storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the result of all this, though, is that there's going to be an empty arena, no holds barred match between Moxley and Hager in two weeks. Uh, yeah. And I guess guess this indicates that there are two weeks worth of shows guaranteed. I hope so. I don't know why they didn't just put it for next week, but. An underrated bit of this promo is John Moxley talked about how he and Hager used to ride together and listen to Jerky Boys CDs. Yep. <laughs> Oh, I knew when, you were going to lock into that. <laughs> when did they write together? What promotion were they in? WWE. Hager was in WWE? He was yeah. Jack, Jack Swagger. Oh. Yeah, you prob- yeah, probably never saw Jack Swagger, or maybe just very briefly. Hmm. Do you remember him with uh, Cesaro, where they were the... Was it Real Americans or True Americans or something? Oh, man, what were they? I don't remember the. I I, I know you're talking the the all American Americans. All American, yeah. Yeah, the all Americans. That's right, because yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were actually a pretty good team. I'm very biased. But yeah, so um, that is happening, and fingers crossed, Moxley wins because the gravity they were giving Hager in this talking head segment that he was in uh was it was alarming to me. Because it seemed very serious and like he might win. Well, I mean, I think that's just the consequence of a well-built match. I hope that's all it is. I can't, I mean, Megan, like, I cannot imagine they're going to change the AEW title in A, Moxley's first defense, and B, in front of no people. Yeah, Megan, that's not happening. Okay, I want to believe that too. I do. (laughs) I just, 
Now, granted, we're going to have WrestleMania this weekend full of title matches, and some people are probably going to become champions, uh, new champions, uh, in front of no people, but it, that's, a, that's a different matter. It is so wild to me. <laughs> I cannot believe it. Okay. You're right. You're right. It's it's going to be fine. I just, ugh, it made me uncomfortable how much credit they were giving him, and I'm like, but Moxley's the champion, and he's great. Please don't take it from him now. They've done they've done a very I think undeniably they've done a very good job presenting Jake Hager as someone to be, you know, someone to be uh, of consequence. Yeah, he's very big and scary. Yeah, hard to deny that. I think speaking of big and scary, Ooh. maybe good we transition. Should... Thank you. <laughs> maybe we should get to Lance Archer, who maybe in the future will destroy Hager. I, I, wishful thinking maybe uh but lance archer gets a video package um and, and technically it, we're gonna get into the match but i just wanted to call it out separately because it did kind of occur it's a video you know and it's a quickie it's jake the snake roberts and he is just talking about how lance is pissed obviously because as we discussed before He has not been allowed to fight Cody. He wants to get a match going in AEW. And Cody expressed that he needs to start at the bottom of the ladder. So Lance is pissed. And Jake says, Cody is just delaying the inevitable. And that maybe he's smart enough to be afraid of Lance. So with that setup, we go into maybe the most... Let me me say this. At least Jake cut a promo for Lance Archer this week. Thinking of that. (laughs) Because you've been so hard on him being for himself. And I think that's fair. But yeah, he he built up Lance, and then Lance got to fight Marco Stunt, which is like, could we find anyone more susceptible to being destroyed by Lance Archer? Oh, I think it was perfect, and I think any big guy should go up against Marco for their first match. What a perfect beginning. It's, oh, it's tough for little Marco, though. Um, Colt joins Tony on commentary for this one, because I Assume Cody is gonna go get prepared for his match that's coming up. Well, Cody's match wasn't for a few. I think they just didn't want to have the Cody Lance Archer stuff yet. I agree. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, also Colt. I mean, Colt does have a stake in this in that he's facing Lance in the first round of the TNT Championship tournament. So yeah, yeah. and Colt's a better commentator than Cody. He's he is, and he's pr- he's practiced because he has the podcast. To be fair. And he used to be the color commentator for Ring of Honor. Yes. Good call. Okay, so Colt's here. Um, Marco's Chiron sets the tone for this. It says, must overcome Lance Archer's one and a half foot, 156 pound size advantage. I thought it was 176 pound. Was it 70? I thought it was, I thought it was 176, but I could be wrong. I don't know, but it, it's, it's ridiculous either way. The point is, when you visually see them, Lance is it, Lance is a monster compared to But then you stick little Marco in there, and it's just, it's just visually. So It made me so happy that Luchasaurus wasn't here, because I think that would have like ruined the effect to some extent. Yes. I half expected him to run out and save his boy. Or even Jungle Boy, because they just yeah. sacrificed the, the smallest member of Jurassic Express. I don't know where Luchasaurus lives, but, you know, Jungle Boy obviously is L.A., so he's not coming out for these. Ah, uh, that's a, yeah, that's a fair point. 
I mean, um, I didn't know people could fly. Oh, you'll find that out. So, <laughs> spoiler, Lance wins. He does a move called the blackout. Um, but that's not really the most important part because if you saw these two matching up, you knew Lance is going to win handily. And he just brutalizes poor little Barco stunt. Obviously, the best match on this show was Kenny Omega versus Trent. Mm-hmm. But if I was going to recommend one segment of this show for yes. everyone to watch, it is Lance Archer versus Marco Stunt. This fucking ruled. I love watching any Marco Stunt match because he is, like, flying. Like, he can just throw his body. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I feel like Marco Stunt's, like, not going to have a very long career because he's he going to kill takes himself. such a great beating, though. But he is so entertaining to watch and there was one move where lance archer does a vertical suplex on marco and he's at one corner of the ring when he does this he throws marco's body to the other turnbuckle if the ring post hadn't been there marco would have rolled out of the like he would have sailed out of the ring (laughs) yeah it was like a pool cube like he he was out of that ring except he got caught on the like turnbuckle it was I've never seen anyone be thrown across the ring like that. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was intense. When he opened with, like, a chest chop, it was so rough. Yeah, like, my even, God. Even on, his, even on his entry to the ring, he killed some poor geek at ringside before he got in, the, before he yeah, got in he, there. He took out one of the grips. <laughs> yeah. That, I, man... You couldn't make a better first impression than Lance Archer made here. And it's it's in large part thanks to Marco's stunt. Yes. So, you know. Yes. Thank you, Marco. Yeah. And because he pinned him, but the first time he pinned him, he lifted him up on the two count because he just wasn't done murdering him. No. I And he, he, he went for a choke early. And Marco actually, like, flipped out of it, which looked amazing. And then, uh, you know, was actually able to, like, kind of get him off balance with a couple of enziguries and stuff. But he got cut off real quick. So I I think that was fine. He got hit with, like, a big pounce, like, that knocked him out of the ring. Uh, Yes. Yeah. And then, yeah, like you said, he got chokeslammed. Archer pulled him up. And then he gave him the blackout, which is a, like, like big crucifix lift into a slam. Yeah. It was awesome. Please watch this match. It I'm sure was, it's on YouTube. I'm sure they broke it out into a segment on their channel. It's, it's ruled. I want to go watch something. it again. <laughs> Good Lord. And after the match, okay. After the match, Lance was not done. He started to leave, but he returned to the ring to continue his assault on Marco because of course he did. And he, oh, this was so insane. <laughs> he picked up Marco from the ring apron and just tossed him onto the face side. Like the gun club was giving him shit for doing this. And he just picks up Marco and is like, here, you have him tossed him from the ring, ring apron over the barrier and onto the, like, uh, I feel like Austin Gunn took the brunt of it, but orange Cassie was there too. And Billy Gunn just was like, not catching anyone. Orange Cassie um, <laughs> was like the all-star there because he had to like, he had to kind of keep his gimmick going, but also save the man's life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It was like very tenuous. So, but the height and the speed with which Lance Archer just tossed Marco's body, hoping that people are going to catch him, was, uh, it was alarming. So, 
Poor Colt screwed. <laughs> um, he remains optimistic, honestly. Yeah. Because he was talking as this was happening, and he's like, yeah, I, I'm I'm good going up against anyone. And he seems to think he still has a chance against Lance Archer in the first round of that tournament. Do you guys want to hear my uh, TNT tournament theory? Sure. So they've got Cody and Archer set up on opposite sides of the, of the you know, opposite brackets. So I think they're trying to make you think they're going to meet in the finals, which would make sense because they've been building to a match with those two. I think Darby's going to upset Cody and it's going to end up Darby versus Lance Archer. And they're going to have like a larger scale, more competitive version of the match we just saw with, uh, with Marco and, uh, and Lance. So after watching Marco's done get thrown around like a little rag doll, I'm so sorry, Marco. Uh, we go to like a less intense, maybe same intensity video of the Dark Order, where Brody Lee is in a suit and he's standing in front of a conference room table. He looks like he's about to give a corporate presentation about, you know, stock prices and all that sort of fun stuff that nobody cares about. Um, but instead, he talks about how he was once lost and downtrodden, but now he stands before you as the exalted one. And he has his little, like, foot soldiers there. He calls up one at the front. It's clearly Alex Reynolds because of the hair. And he says, hey, I need you to tell the people what I told you to, like, what I said. I need you to tell them. And Alex Reynolds commits the crime of referring to him as Mr. Lee, which he doesn't like. He says, no, no, no. Call me Mr. Brody. I was wondering why he wanted to be called Mr. Brody, because Mr. Lee is clearly the more the formal and authoritative. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it would be the correct guess, I would think. But uh, he doesn't want it. He wants Mr. Brody. And Alex Reynolds is clearly flustered, and he replies, yes, sir, exalted one. To which Brody Lee loses his shit. And he says, no, it's Mr. Fucking Brody. <laughs> In case you didn't get it. And poor Alex Reynolds is shook by this. But Brody Lee says to him, go ahead, tell them what I told you. And Alex Reynolds says, he holds up his hand, does the sign and says, we are one. But apparently it's not enthusiastic enough because Brody, Brody Lee screams, we are one, and throws a glass against the wall, shattering it. Wasn't we are one the refrain of the Nexus theme song? Oh, shit. Was it? I think so. Oh, no. We're stealing. We're stealing. Or Wade Barrett's coming in. Ooh. You know what? Honestly, I'd be okay with that. The Marty's, exalted her one. Marty's dad? Yeah. <laughs> Get him in there. <laughs> oh, I miss Wade Barrett. Please bring him in as Marty's father. So yeah, uh, this whole thing goes down. Alex Reynolds is sad. He sits back down. And then another exalted, or not exalted, uh, another Dark Order member. And I'm assuming it's John Silver, but it's harder to tell because he doesn't have hair. And they're all wearing masks. Um, another one yawns which is like a huge issue Brody Lee sits down and basically grills him and is like hey man got stuff going on at home 
Wait, you tired? And we find out that Brody Lee considers tiredness a weakness. You can't have that in this organization. Says, don't you ever yawn in my presence ever again. I like his line where he said, nothing in the world is open. There's reason for yawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you now, this is This is a very Vince thing. The, uh, the like tiredness is the, like sleep is the enemy kind of mentality. I believe it. I knew that the sneezing was a weird thing of his. I didn't realize yawning was, but it's very much in line. I don't know if yawning is specifically or if that's just how they're illustrating it, because he had a rap back in the day in the 80s and 90s, probably when he was doing a lot of coke, too. Um, <laughs> he, had a, he had a rep for like sleeping like three or four hours a night, max. That's not healthy. No, it's terribly unhealthy, but he was doing all kinds of unhealthy things. Yeah, I don't think Coke is healthy for you either. No, it's a miracle he's made it to 75. Neither are steroids, and those probably do like opposite things against your body. I don't know. Yeah. The combo of Coke and steroids, yeah, that's probably bad. No. <laughs> but yeah, um, I personally think Brody Lee is awesome as the Exalted One. How are you guys feeling on this? I'm not sure about it yet, because I just don't know, like, I don't know what the ceiling for this is, like, like, how, how much further can it go, and, like, who's he finally going to feud with, you know? It seems like he's just feuding with the people in his own organization so far. I I just feel like, even if there's no direction for this, I think Brody Lee is nailing it. He's so good at it. I believe he is a crazy cult leader, and I'm here for it. I like his performance. I just don't know, you know, I just really know to think of it. In the, in the bigger picture, right? But it's only been two weeks, so. Yeah. And we're in strange times. It's hard to... I, th- I feel like he has a limited amount of people he can feud with at this point. Yeah. So. I think performance-wise, he's doing excellent. And I hope that it works out with all things considered. But we'll see. We're going to do a 180, though. And... We're going to go to Chris Jericho's home at an undisclosed location. Now, wait, is this, is this, I thought this was after the Nightmare uh, family or Nightmare, uh, whatever, the Rhodes and Marshall versus Dark Order match. Uh, what? Did Dark I Order that? number eight and nine versus Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall. I didn't get that. What? They cut that in your feed? Yeah. I think my feed, I'm going to be honest, I think my feed was erroneous because there were two times when it went to commercial after a match and then it came back from commercial in the middle of the match that had ended. Weird. Yeah. Okay, well, just to briefly recap. Lay it out. uh, They had a a match with two Dark Order members. They they were just two random creepers. They They called them number eight and nine. The green mask guys. Yeah, not the purple mask guys. And... They wrestled Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall, who were being managed by Brandy. And it was, you know, it was just like a squash. It felt like an AEW dark match. And, like, Dustin, you know, and QT got the win. And then afterwards, Brody came out, powerbombed the shit out of one of them, and then just stared at the other one, and then walked, walked back to the back. Oh, so he's going to clean house, right? I think he's going to clean house to the point where no one's left. Yeah, I didn't see that at all. But my edit must have been weird. So strange, okay. It was, yeah, because it was like... Uh, I'm glad I, I have a format in front of me. Cause like... <laughs> no, good, yeah, because I 
the show that I watched lasted an hour and 40 minutes, but I skipped a lot of it. Not a lot, but enough that it went back down about 10 minutes because it doubled up on match parts, which was weird. Where did you watch it? TNT.com. Good job, TNT. (laughs) Yeah, because I didn't see commercials. It just did the black, the fade to black of a commercial. Like the Kenny match right at the beginning, I saw the end of it and then it went to commercial and then it came back and I was back in the middle of it. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, maybe they just were having editing issues, but that's good to know. That, because that kind of gives some context. It's weird that there was a Dark Order video and then nothing to it, but. Oh, and Brody kind of like, Brody and Dustin kind of had a stare down at the top of the ramp as he came out to, because Dustin and QT and Brandy were going to the back after they won. And then Brody kind of comes out of the other tunnel and he and Dustin had a bit of a stare down. So it makes you think maybe that's going to happen. Okay. I could see that. I mean, cult leader versus one of the heads of the family. Yeah. All right. Well, then for the rest of us to get back on track, that's when we go to Chris Jericho's home. Dustin also is someone who's traveling from Texas every week. Oh, uh, yeah. Maybe he's, he could be staying with Cody and Brandy. I don't Not know. Not with his. Well, he, I'm sure he's going back to his family. Yeah. Travel. Mm, I mean, I think just universally, we sh- they should stop traveling. You know what, though? I could see Dustin also being a guy who just, like, gets in his pickup truck on, like, Monday morning and then drives, like, 11 hours. <laughs> see, in Austin, though? Yeah. That's really fucking far. That's a good 13 hour drive. Austin, Texas to Norcross, Georgia. Oh, 14 hours and 16 minutes. Okay, and, maybe I'm wrong. And then to Jacksonville is probably 17. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, all right. Yeah, I guess he's probably flying. Ugh. The planes should shut down. <laughs> Chris Jericho, guys. Mm-hmm. Chris Jericho is at his home in an undisclosed location, but it's by a body of water. Just FYI. Uh, and he's in his hot tub with a bottle of the little bit of the bubbly with him. And he's drinking that because that's his deal. If this, I think this is his actual house. And it made me jealous because he's got the pool and the hot tub. And he's right on like a lake or something. Yeah. It looks pretty baller. It looked awesome. <laughs> yeah. is, this, is this California then? No, he, no. Lives, he lives in like Tampa or something. Oh, okay. All right. So, yeah, it, it's did look super delightful and beautiful um but he's in a hot tub and as we'll find out later he's apparently wearing leather pants inside that hot tub (laughs) i don't recommend it it's bad move couldn't be comfortable no gosh you're boiling up up in those pants so he says today is a holiday because when they filmed it it was and that holiday is april fool's day And he implies that this is honoring the elite because they are fools. And he goes through each one and says why they're fools. And I think we all know, you know, what their issues are. We learned that that Kenny Omega was, he is chief amongst the pumpkin-headed dipshits, though. Well, yeah, because he has to get his S-word in because Chuck can't say it, so. What's a pumpkin head? I think it just means you have a big head. Yeah. Um. Like, 
just a pumpkin-headed dipshit. <laughs> I, I I enjoy it. I'm glad that it's uh, been added to the uh, to the lexicon. Yeah. Of Le Champion. <laughs> he loves it. He insulted all of them. I didn't write down the quotes for all of them because it's just like very, you know, it's Jericho and that like they're clever, but they're exactly what I expect from Jericho. But he wanted to reach member of the elite and insulted them. And then he said that when blood and guts happens, the elites, the elite are still going to have to like face the inner circle. They're not going to get away from this. And at this point, we get a visitor. Vanguard one appears. Jericho, this is when Jericho gets out of the hot tub and you see that he's got leather pants on <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> and he reaches out to Vanguard one. He says, I want to apologize but he can't get the word sorry out of his mouth. And, and he doesn't have Jake Hager there to help him say sorry this time. Yeah, so he just kind of hopes that the intention gets across. He's like, I think he says, you know what I mean. I'm apologizing. So he apologizes kind of to Vanguard One. And then he presents him with a <laughs> weird baby in her shirt. <laughs> It's so little, but also it's a drone, so it's like, why are there sleeves? I don't. <laughs> I don't know. He gives him this shirt and he says hung, he hung it on a hook. Yeah, on, on the bottom of the drone. Yes. I was a little bit worried it would imbalance the poor thing. <laughs> I think that it was like specially designed, like that's designed to have something put in it. Mm-hmm. it it's a load bearing drone. But he's like, hey, Vanguard One, here's your shirt. Can you be part of the inner circle? I'm I'm presenting the offer to you again. And once again, Vanguard One sort of hovers there for a mon- minute with the shirt. And then he flies away. And Jericho takes this as an insult. Again, he's taking the shirt. And Jericho demands for someone to release the hounds. <laughs> release the hounds! Yes, which results in, like, I assume all of his dogs being released. And it's such a, like, motley crew of dogs. Maybe, like, four or five of them. Just all different. Smaller. <laughs> the one wouldn't leave the porch. The little, the yeah. littlest one like, was just like, I'm not doing this. It's adorable. His dogs are like, we're here. Whatever. And he, like, leads them down to the beach area where he lives. And it's a long shot. So you can see him standing there and, and he just mutters like he took my shirt and I think that's where he we leave it it's it's just like Vanguard one said no by flying away but also Jericho is still trying to get a drone into the team this proves my point that Vanguard one is the only thing you need of Matt Hardy and if you <laughs> remove Matt Hardy from this equation these promos are awesome I mean, Matt Hardy wasn't there. I can't argue with you. Yeah, I mean, it this, was an awesome promo. This was this was so great. Like, <laughs> this is the exact kind of goofy bullshit I like. Yeah, it was hilarious and good. And we didn't even need to involve other people in it. No. Jericho's good on his own with a drone. Yeah. Man, this is so awesome. We were... We were dying laughing. Yes. Yeah, it was really good. I love the idea of presenting a shirt to a drone. Uh-huh. 
I love that it's just a baby tea. Um, yeah. So I I guess Jericho hasn't given up hope. Maybe now he has, but um Fancard one. Sick the dogs along, so I think it's I think it's over. I guess, but also like don't sick dogs on something that flies, you know? It's like it's flying over the ocean. Yeah, doesn't Jericho have birds that he would have released? Sick, stick your parakeets on it. I bet he has a bird. <laughs> I, I don't know. But it was it was good. It was good. That seems right to me, Jenny. I bet he does have a bird. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I wouldn't put a path at him. But while all this is happening in Jericho's life, let's get a little grounded and go visit the Young Bucks in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Matt because they live next door to each other. Matt comes over to Nick's place and wants to make sure that he's still in ring shape, considering all that's happened to him. And so he has ordered a ring to be brought in onto their tennis court that they just have, which is amazing no. to me. No, I think this was not at their house. This looked like like a neighborhood park. It looked like a like a basket, full basketball court. I don't think this was on their property. I think Nick had a full basketball court now at his, I, at his Yeah, house. I thought he did. No, his basketball court's next to his garage. That's, this the, was that's like, the old house. No, that's not the old house. That still is... Did they get a new, new house within the last year? Because that was like last year that they showed I, all that stuff. I assume this was their property. The basketball court where he was like having visions of like... Like he, where he was having like visions of like Cody and Kenny's future match, um, in Ring of Honor was where the basketball court was next to the garage. Right. That was like that was over two years ago. So they got new ho- new houses since then. I think I think Nick did. I I don't think so. Or, or well, remember he did all that landscaping. Maybe that maybe they just like made a better basketball court. Maybe, maybe he made, like, but this a more was like one. down a cliff, like. Maybe this was another area that they owned. I don't know. That we've just never seen before. But it was, like, down, like, they were up on a hill and they had to go down. And we've never seen that view. It read to me like it was Nick's property, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, the house was, like, up the hill. So, it seems like a weird place for a community tennis court. I just assume that they have massive TNT money. And so they probably have a tennis court. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess, yeah. It doesn't really matter either way. Yeah, either way, there's a ring there, and um, Matt and Nick run some drills. Uh, Nick also speaks to the camera and says he has no memory of what happened or being in the ambulance, so he doesn't actually know who took him out with the door attack. Um, Do you think think that plays into it, or or, or, because I just thought, like, well, does it matter? Like... (laughs) <laughs> I, I, like, you, I think you know it, it's the you know it's the inner circle. Yeah, but I think it gives a little leeway as far as who you want to match him up with when he does come back. Which which I member so. of the inner circle? Yeah, I, I suppose so. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he specifically doesn't know who it was. I feel like they wouldn't say that unless they weren't trying to leave it open. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I thought. But Nick does say he's ready to get back in the ring, and that this experience has basically taught him not to take anything in life for granted. And Matt agrees with him. They get kind of reflective at this point. And at the end of this video segment, 
they're walking away from the ring that they've set up and Matt asks Nick if he's ready to get back in there, implying the, you know, the practice ring. And Nick responds, not yet. So I assume this implies that he's not coming back to television for a little bit, but, you know, who knows? I liked getting the little shot of his family, Swifty's wife and his three kids, including the Bobby. Did we? Yeah. They're watching. They're sitting on a bench watching the ring. I didn't even notice that. No. I feel like that's points in favor of this being on their property. No, I agree. I just, this was an area of their property we've never seen before. Yeah. I was, I was just happy that they, that they're doing some remote stuff. Yeah. Like for, for to fill time like like this and the Jericho segment, I thought I thought that was a good use of, you know, making sure you still get your stars on the show and and not you know having them travel. Yeah, I would prefer more of this stuff. Remote you, segments. You just want a ninety minute BTE episode every week. Yeah. For a while. <laughs> I feel like if they show for AEW, it would be amazing. I would watch. It would be great. Yeah. Give us, like, essentially Total Divas, but for AEW, I'll, I'll watch. Me too. Yeah, me three. Okay. Yeah. So, um, the implication is Nick may be off TV for a little bit longer, but he looks healthy, and he's clearly still, you know, doing moves and is okay with that. So, we'll see. But now we go to the main event, and that is a tag team match between Sammy Guevara and Sean Spears against Darby Allen and Cody. And Spears ends up getting the pin on Darby with a roll-up, but there is some complications that go behind. At the end of this match, Sean Spears calls for Sammy to give him a chair, which is illegal, and Sammy abides, he gets in the chair, but Darby grabs it before Sean Spears can hit Cody with it, because that was his intention. And as Darby's standing there with the chair, Sammy grabs it, and this distracts Darby enough that it results in him getting rolled up, and that's where the pin comes from. So, that's the end, but there's a lot to this match that happens. Uh, do we want to get into the middle of the match? Were there any spots that particularly caught your eye? As far as, like, early on? Uh, yes. Pre the post-match happenings. Um, I liked the betting spot where Spears and Sammy were doing, you know, successively longer stalling vertical suplexes on Darby. And they would, like, they would, like, throw down money in a pile. It's like, all right, I'm going to do, I can, I can do it 10 seconds. And then so Spears did a suplex for 10 seconds on Darby. And then Sammy's like, double or nothing, I can do 15. And then so he did it. And then finally it ended up with uh, Spears said he could do 20. And then uh, Darby finally countered out of it. I like that stuff. I thought it was fun. Where are they getting all this cash? I don't know. I've been asking that for weeks now. They've been betting for weeks. So you got to think they have cash on hand. Mm. Um, This is the match where when Dasha introduced Sammy and called him a Spanish god... Tony says, do you think she thinks that? Or she just has to say that. (laughs) So. (laughs) 
Tony's getting jealous. <laughs> Tony Schiavone is a national treasure. I love Tony him. Tony Schiavone <laughs> is cheating on his wife. That's a joke. He's actually not. I don't believe that. <laughs> I mean, I specifically wrote that down because you're always talking about his relationship with Dasha, and this was the first time where he was like, do you, do you think she thinks that? Or she just has to say that. <laughs> there was that spot where uh, Cody ended up on the uh, other side of the heel barricade, and they all beat the, beat him down, and Britt, uh, this is where the shoe payoff happened. Yeah. Yes. She was using her shoe as a weapon. Yeah, she brandished it to the camera that time. So I totally saw it then. I just missed it earlier. Um, also, before the match, Cody did his spot where he throws his shirt. But this week, he throwed it to Chuck, who had joined the face side of the barricade. And Chuck was, like, very excited to get that shirt. But and not then, as excited as Brandy was to get the weight belt. Yes, it's like uh, Cody had to make up the fact that he didn't throw her the shirt by throwing her the weight belt. <laughs> but there was also a moment that caught the shirt like a full second after he did where Orange Cassidy lifted his arm <laughs> in a very like Daria-esque like attempt <laughs> to, to snag it after it had fully been caught by somebody else. It was just <laughs> like, oh, I see that. I'm gonna try. Are you talking about that shot from the opening credits of Daria? Yeah, where the uh, volleyball yeah. comes in and she's like, mm. <laughs> "That was Orange Cassidy for this shirt." Um, but Chuck was very excited. He wrapped it around his neck and just wore it the whole time. So he's a Cody fan. Um, as far as the match goes, I thought it was like a, just a fun tag team match. I don't know that anything like crazy occurred. No, it was just it was you know, it was a setup for the matches we'll see next week in the tournament. Yeah, and after the match, once Darby gets pinned, he's clearly upset about it, and he clearly has thoughts about how it happened. So, oh, I forgot we forgot to mention there was a spot where Darby did a coffin drop by Casey Catanzaroing his way up a uh, pole, and then. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> that was That's really when the good. coffin drop looks good. Mm-hmm. When it's like dangerously done off of weird surfaces. Yeah. Yes. That was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, yes. sorry, yes. Then Darby like uh, got mad at Cody afterwards and laid him out. So yeah. I didn't understand what was he mad at Cody about. Because I think Cody... losing. Well, yeah, but like because he saved him, it led to the distraction where pinned. Yeah, it's kind of irrational. It wasn't really Cody's fault. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. Cody's fault that the other guy got in the he's, chair. You know, he's a spirited young man. Mm. I think we're definitely getting that that you know that third time that third match between them in the uh, semifinals of this tournament, though. And it will no longer be sportsman. No, yeah, I mean, so they've they've tied once, and then Cody won the second one. So I think I I think I'm right. I think I think Derby's going to the finals of this thing. Yeah, I think that would be. Interesting. Lance Archer basically like beating up on anyone seems kind of fun at this point. Yeah, but like, I mean, you know, pray to God that we get to have. Uh, I, okay, I shouldn't say that. Mm-mm. Like, let's hope that we get to have double or nothing at some point. Like, a pay per view match between Lance Archer and Darby Allen would probably be really awesome. 
based on, you know, the style they both do and, like, what we have seen Lance Archer can do to smaller men. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Jenny, what do you think about Lance Archer? Um, I don't know much about him. Um, I mean, he looks large. I liked his match with Marco. But, I mean, that's kind of where I am right now. Okay. And I it wasn't, like, a test. I was just asking because... I feel like I've seen him at least once, and Andy's probably seen him multiple times. So I was just curious, once you've seen him fight, like, what your thoughts were on him. I mean, the match with Marco was impressive. I don't know if I saw him in any of the G1 stuff this summer. I don't think so. Um, so, but yeah, I need more time. Okay. I, uh, I'm very scared of him. So, uh, what do we think overall of this episode? I, I liked... The new setting. I like the indie vibe of it. Um, and I thought the matches that they had were enjoyable and fun. So it's not the best episode of Dynamite, but I think it's a solid middle ground episode. I liked it way better than last week. Um, I'm trying to think. I may have liked it better than the first. The first week at Daily's Place? Yes. Okay. Um, just Jericho segment. And um, I thought the Lance Archer and the Kenny Omega matches were excellent. So I think I, pro- I, think I liked it because of those strong points mm-hmm. more than the first no audience match yeah. show. And hell of a lot better than last week, which I thought was awful. Yeah. I am um, still upset with them for how they're handling this. Yeah. Um, but... As a show, it was it was entertaining. Yeah, I'm pretty much where you are there. It's like I'm conflicted, but you know, if I just kind of try to separate it out and say like, did I enjoy the show? Yes, it was a good show. So uh, let's quickly talk about the ratings. There's actually something to discuss this week. It seems that the there's nothing else on TV charm of these live wrestling shows is starting to wear off on the public as uh, I'm quoting John Pollock's report from uh, Post Wrestling. Viewership for both AEW and NXT was hit hard on Wednesday, continuing the trend displayed by Raw and SmackDown of declines among the empty arena shows. AEW averaged 685,000 viewers on TNT, down 16% from last week, and their lowest number of 2020, and third lowest since the show's launch in October, uh, NXT averaged 590,000 viewers, down 12% from last week. So, yeah. It's tough to compete with Tiger King. I, I guess so, yeah. Um, yeah, so this week, NXT or AEW was 37th for the night mm. among 18 to 49. Um, NXT was uh, 74th. Oof. So. Uh, but, you know, it's still just, like, the new shows are just cleaning up. But to put society and your talent in this much danger by doing this for not a ton of people watching, it yeah. just feels like it's getting, there is less and less to support the cost-benefit of doing this. Yeah, yeah, I just, I wonder if... Um... I wonder if this could dwindle even more or if we're kind of at the... I don't know. Out point. I mean, has there been any backlash? 
not severe, but wrestling flies so under the radar, just in general, you know? So. And the fans are hardcore. Yeah, but, like, yeah. I feel like we need, like, a CDC hashtag stay home AEW. Yeah. Yeah, probably so. But also, again, it's happening in the South where, like, they've only recently decided that staying at home is the good idea. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's that, too. So, I... Yeah, I really don't know. It's 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 going to be interesting to see, kind of uh, see what they can if that if there's a big difference in viewership. If if if, if they drop significantly from here, if they drop another sixteen percent, I mean, it's not good. But uh, I just don't think at this point, if they start showing reruns and stuff, you're probably almost at your base level that are going to watch no matter what's on, no matter if it's reruns of your show, yeah, or something new. So why not just protect society and your talent and do the right thing and stay home? Maybe. Yeah. It's just weird times. Yeah, it's really weird times. It's, it almost feels weird to talk about the ratings. But, I mean, I just – I thought that because AEW's ratings had been pretty good for the first two weeks, it was worth talking a little mm-hmm. bit about because they actually did have a pretty significant dip this week. But Well, I mean, if, if anyone watched last week's show – I mean, there's that too. Like, if you if you saw that and you were turned off by the Matt Hardy stuff, maybe you wouldn't come back this week. I mean, I'm going to be honest. If we didn't have a podcast, I wouldn't have come back this week. Yeah. Which is a shame because this week was good. Yeah. You start talking about three Damascus and you've lost me for at least a couple weeks. <laughs> maybe you won't like Lucha Underground. <laughs> oh, um, she, you got to try it. Yeah. Uh, I've got three news items because as I you know mentioned earlier, I burned one of them during the body of the show, but... Uh, they're not too major, but here they are. Elite Wrestling applied to trademark Death Triangle, which, you know, obviously Mm -hmm. is one of their stables that might get to be together again some point this year. And Elite Wrestling AEW Best Summer Ever, which seems like wishful thinking at this point. (laughs) 2020 is not the best anything ever. Yeah, Dave Meltzer seems kind of marketing campaign for their their events uh here's like just kind of an interesting one that i saw today and i i copied it over to my uh format sheet here keith elliott greenberg who is a he's a he's a he's a writer who's written a lot of wrestling books his next book titled too sweet inside the indie revolution is set to be released this september through ecw press the uh so it looks like this is going to be a book because it's basically about all of the events that kind of led to the creation of Elite Wrestling. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and like tracking it from like the Bullet Club starting in New Japan, New Japan getting popular here, to the Young Bucks getting really popular, and then you know the and then Cody leaving WWE and all that stuff. So I'm actually excited to read that book because it'll be from like an outside perspective. And not mm-hmm. not a you know and not like a because you know I want to read the Young Bucks book obviously but there's also you can have to take some of the stuff in autobiographies with a grain of salt. Of course, yeah. yeah. God, so, I hope they're not reading their own book on the Audible version. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. Does that book sound interesting to either of you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And. Finally, we've been wondering for a long time about Revolution and what kind of pay-per-view numbers it did. Finally, this week in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave has some news on this. 
And I will just, I'll just quote his paragraph. While all cable numbers aren't in, still. How is that possible? It's been over a month. Yeah. Based on what they know, it looks like Revolution will be the number two pay-per-view behind the first Double or Nothing when it comes to buys and revenue. It beat Double or Nothing on Fight TV and was the best overall to date, but that was expected going in since it was the only way to see it in the UK with the loss of television cable. The gains on Fight TV did not offset the losses uh, through the loss of ITV box office. However, Bleacher Report Live for streaming set its record, and the belief is it will be either the highest in the U.S. or a close second to Double or Nothing overall, because cable numbers are not expected to be as high as Double or Nothing. So 100,000 to 105,000 sounds like a range overall, which has to be considered a good sign. That's so low. I mean... In the era of streaming, though, where, like, it's rare to have to buy stuff. I don't know. Yeah, like who? Like who else is really selling pay per views? It's just UFC at this point in boxing. You know, like I, I thought that the Jericho versus Moxley build was really good, and I thought that the the you know Mega Hung versus Young Bucks build was really good, and I thought that the I, I did I did expect it to be higher. But, um, you know, I still think, if you know, they're maintaining. They started out at a pretty good level. It, it was double or nothing last year, and they're at least they're maintaining that still. So, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Uh, AEW Dark for April 7th. We have no idea what's going to be on that show, because <laughs> we, we just don't know. They've taped a lot of stuff, and we have no idea what's, uh, what's happening. But for Dynamite, for the 8th, we do have... Cody versus Sean Spears and Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allen in the first round of the AEW uh, TNT Championship Tournament. So I don't know. Do you guys? What, what do you guys think? Come, who, who do you think is coming out of those two matches? Like obviously, I already said my thing. I think it's going to be Cody and Darby. I Did agree. I you? Okay, you agree, Jenny? Wait, who's Cody fighting first? Sean. Oh, obviously Cody. And yeah, I think that Cody Darby would be the more interesting versus. Versus Cody. Can't have a champagne bet on this first round. Let's just all drink champagne while we watch. Well, that, guys, is really about all we have for today. I thought it was a, a weird, another weird week in all the wrestling, but uh, we got through it. Weird week for life. Yeah, yeah. Every, every week continues to be so. But uh, for Jenny and for Megan, I'm Andy. And thank you all for listening to the Elite Beat. Elite Beat. E-E-Elite Beat.